This is Healing Through Love. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna and I'm just a 32-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. So for today's talk, I have with me an amazing guest. Her name is Claire Byrne, Claire, aka The Heartbreak Coach. Um, She took what she learned from her tireless efforts to heal her most debilitating heartbreak and find the love of her life and turned it into a simple process that now helps women stop wanting Mr. or Mrs. Wrong and find someone better. She's a resident heartbreak coach for Kourtney Kardashian's lifestyle site, Poosh. Other publications she's written for include Men's Health, Brit & Co., Medium, and Molly Sims' lifestyle site, and was featured in the Irish Independent Ireland's National Newspaper. You can check out Claire's own weekly podcast, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, on all major platforms. Now, before I get into today's talk, just a friendly reminder, if you are loving Healing Through Love, please consider giving a five-star review. It really helps in extending the reach. Also, if you are able to give financially, you can now become a monthly donor. Just head to the show notes and hit the link where it says support this podcast and you can select your donation amount. Any and every amount helps. It all goes towards just furthering the growth of my podcast. So thank you all for your continued support. Lastly, if you are watching this episode on Spotify, We have some fun polls and questions at the bottom of each episode that you can submit answers to. And as always, feel free to share, tag us on social media at solidarity underscore media or head to solidaritymediaproductions.com to learn more. All right, let's get into today's talk. All right, everyone. So I have with me today, Claire Byrne, aka The Heartbreak Coach. Claire, how are you today? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very, um, before we started recording, I was telling Claire, like, I was very, very excited to, like, finally get to, like, sit down and talk with you. Um, We got connected through a mutual friend who, you know, I know has, like, we, her and I have had, like, similar relationship struggles. Um, And so she was just, like, raving about you and your work. So I was very, very excited to have you. So thank you again for joining um, let's kind of like, yeah, let's, let's dive right into it. Can you just give us a little background about kind of how everything started for you and how you kind of got into the work that you're doing today? Yeah. The worst relationship ever got me into <laughs> as it goes. <laughs> I know you're all shocked to hear, but, um, yeah, I I'm 42 now and I just turned 42 yesterday, actually. And oh, happy belated I, birthday. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I right around Valentine's day. So I don't think that's a coincidence either, but I, you know, just found myself getting into really dramatic dysfunctional relationships in my twenties and most of my thirties. And they really rocked me specifically one, as I described to be my rock bottom relationship at around 29 and 30 years old with someone who I would describe as a narcissist narcissistic sociopath, complete pathological liar, gaslighting, cheating, the whole nine yards. And I just didn't understand what narcissistic abuse was. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that I was an empath, like engaging in this dance of okaying the behavior and, you know, doing everything I could, all the mental gymnastics and self gaslighting to keep him, even though everything in my body told me this was so wrong and so bad. And I really just became a shell of a person physically, mentally, and emotionally. 
And, you know, at that time, that's going back to 2009, 2010, Olivia. Yes. I think maybe Instagram was beginning or maybe it started a little bit after there was definitely Facebook, but you know, there was really nothing out there like something called heartbreak coaching. And, you know, I was a broke as a joke actress at the time, you know, rubbing dimes together for everything, including therapy, found some terrible therapists, uh, by the way, not knocking therapy. I think you know, there can be terrible coaches, terrible therapists. It's not about what the healing modality is, but just at the time I didn't find anyone good people shaming me for my reactions and my behavior also really diminishing my feelings. You know, I just really thought I was so alone. I thought I had serious issues, which I did. <laughs> What's not, um, there's no denying that, but you know, so I searched and searched for years. I did different yoga healing modalities. I became a, a yoga teacher. I finally did find an amazing therapist in LA where I was doing a lot of um, mindfulness, compassion, psychotherapy, healing work. Um, but I was still attracting unavailable men. And I'm like, I'm getting this. I'm starting to own myself more. I'm leaning into allowing the negative emotion. I'm recognizing that a negative emotion is a part of life. Breakups, heartbreak is a part of life. I'm recognizing who I was in that relationship, you know, really, uh, intellectually understanding a lot of how I got to where I got to and leaning into it and working so hard, Olivia, and again, still attracting unavailable men. Then I discovered life coaching. I became a life coach for women just generally got my heart broken again in February of 2017. And it was then that I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm now a coach. I've done enough healing work. I'm going to look for a heartbreak coach. I was like, cause now I'm in the coaching world. I had a coaching certification and I couldn't find anything. And I was like, wait a second, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to shout from the mountaintops about this. So even at 2017, when I was searching tirelessly, even looking, cause now there are heartbreak coaches, breakup coaches, relationship coaches. I think the industry has become really saturated and, and that's mm. a good thing. Cause there's billions of people yeah. broken <laughs> and, and yeah. single and struggling. So, um, but even at that time I, you know, wasn't finding anything. And so I was like, I'm going to become a heartbreak coach. And then that ultimately led to me cre creating after really healing my heart and deepening my relationship with myself, that was another big can of worms to unpack. I get it intellectually. If I want to attract someone who will love me, I need to love myself first. But what the F does that mean? Like, mm. what does that actually mean? I get it. But like, okay, I wake up in the morning and then I meditate and I go to yoga and I eat well. Is that, is that like loving myself? Yes. But there's also the way we think about ourselves and the way we mm. talk about ourselves and the way we tolerate really un I, mean, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but just behavior from other people that is just not okay. It's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, there was so much of that to clean up. And then finally be getting clear on, wait, who am I as a 38 year old woman now living in Los Angeles single, who's like learned a lot, healed a lot. And how do I want to show up in my ideal relationship? And how do I want to call him in? So then I created a process for that, which ultimately led me to heartbreak and finding love coaching. So I know that was a long answer, but no, there's a lot I, to that question. It's so great. And so like, yeah, there was a lot of gems that I was just pulling out of that. The main one being that like, you know, the healing journey or like your kind of self-discovery journey, like it, it's, it's a constant thing. And 
I, I, I felt like I was in a similar point where, you know, I'm doing therapy. I'm like working out, I'm eating right. Like I'm doing the things that I think, you know, the healthy habits that I'm supposed to be doing. But it was that one particular area that just, I kept <laughs> faltering on. Um, and, and it then, truly was, yeah, go ahead. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, oh, so I'm healing and I'm loving myself and I'm not finding him. So then we end up beating ourselves up and thinking that there might be something inherently wrong with us. And it's like, no, like you should, I think we all should be eating healthy, exercising, (laughs) meditating, going to therapy, heartbroken, single or not, right? Like those are healthy habits we should have. And for sure, my heartbreak led me to those habits, but they don't define self-love. I think Mm. the way we think about ourselves and the way we speak about ourselves and who we surround ourselves with shows us how much we really love ourselves. Now, of course, if someone is being unhealthy, you know, treating their bodies in an unhealthy way, that is, of course, demonstrating a lack of love. But Mm. I I just think that's the it's the real mental and emotional relationship with the self that no act of meditation, eating, eating healthy can figure out. Yeah. And I love that, like, you know, um, you like to really just say, okay, I need to specifically focus on this. And I kind of maybe need support around it, right? Like you were seeking this heartbreak, you know, coach or person. And even though I know at the time, like there wasn't a lot out there, can you talk to maybe other resources or people or things like that? Was there any other kind of bridges to kind of get you to where you are today? Such a great question. I mean, just so many, I, you know, when I think about, I, I just work, I have a podcast myself and I just recorded an episode, you know, total self-help nerd. When I have my birthday, I'm like, oh, I want to reflect. And then when it's the new year, like <laughs> new year's resolutions, like I'm totally a sucker for all of that, even though it's six weeks into the new year and it's my birthday. Same. And I'm like, I have more yeah. to say. <laughs> and you know, the coach and what I was talking about on this recent episode is the coach that I am now is not even the coach I was two years ago. And like the person that I am now, I mean, again, and I think like that gets very dramatic and extreme. Like I'm not even the same person. I'm still Claire Byrne. I'm still a fiery Irish woman. I still am highly sensitive. I still have a dramatic flair. I'm still sometimes difficult to my partner. This is not about preaching perfection, but I, to answer your question, I just think it's years of getting coached, being in therapy, reading a bunch of books, surrounding myself with incredible like-minded women, being in an incredible partnership has taught me to be the person I am today and how I show up. He has four children, how I show up with them, how he and I communicate just for keeping our relationship strong and then what my role is in their lives and and managing all of that. You know, it's, it's just so many different life lessons and having been a coach for the last six years, learning so much from my clients. You know, I think even two years ago, Olivia, I had a way more black and white approach about your thoughts, creating your results. I still believe that to a certain degree, but I don't think that that's the case in every situation. Um, I think that it's, it's more nuanced than that is, is what I mean by that. Um, so, so, uh, books that I've read Tara Brock's radical acceptance. That was like a game changing book for me. Um, I'm currently reading um, Kate Northrup's book, Money, A Love Story. I talk so much about how I really had a lack of love for myself in so many different areas of my life, money, business, my body, family relationships, friendships, uh, my acting career at the time, just like not enough, right? Not enough of everything. Um, And then multiple dysfunctional relationships. And so 
I'm really looking at my, as I said earlier, I think I'm Irish, so I, I have a wooden leg. I'm looking at my relationship with alcohol, with a more fine tooth comb now and money. It's like, there's always something that I want to be reading about and healing on and growing on and, um, thought leaders like Brooke Castillo. She has an amazing podcast called the life coach school. Um, I've just worked with so many different coaches and studied their different healing modalities and read so many books. It's like, and I think it's just a combination of all of that, that now I'm the coach that, you know, so much, so many people say about coaching is coaching isn't giving advice. It's getting you to see what is the best next move for you. And I used to totally agree with that. And now I'm like, there's some of that. A lot of the time I'm like, what do you think about that? When you're explaining this to me, let me reflect back what you just said to me. And as you hear it back to you, what do you think? Right. I'm picking at her brain, but sometimes Olivia, I'm sitting there and I'm like, let me just shoot it to you straight. You've been on three dates with this guy based on X, Y, Z. He's screaming unavailability and you can keep going out with him until you decide that for yourself. Or you can thank me, which is why we started working together. Cause I'm going to save you a whole bunch of time to tell you this guy is unavailable because of X, Y, Z. So then we can do the coaching on what to say, how to get out of it, how to heal, how to clock that unavailability early so that you can start to discern it for yourself. But it's just, it's a mishmash of things. And that's what I think makes this work super exciting. Yeah. And, you know, though, as I hear you explain it, it kind of almost sounds like a full-time job of its own, like this, this yes! work that we need to do, right? But like, what better job to have? Like, I think that's the kind of work we should be doing in life is like, let making like, falling in love with yourself, like, let that be your full-time job, you know, um, if you're going to spend hours on it. I just said this to a client earlier today, like, I hate to sound morbid, but at the end of the day, all we can are guaranteed is that we have ourselves. I, I'm yeah. in the best relationship of my life. He's the love of my life. I'm so certain about him. He's very certain about me. You never know. You never right. know. I'm as clear as I can possibly be than I've ever been, but you know, crazy things do happen. I'm still very confident, but I have to know that I'm right and good regardless. And I, I don't deny that if he left the building tomorrow, I would be a mess and I would have to do my own process yeah. <laughs> and hire a village for sure. Like this doesn't mean that because I'm a heartbreak coach, you know, I'm going to escape like ever being heartbroken again. Right. I wish. Um, but that we're equipped to like really make peace with ourselves and equipped to move through the inevitable tough times that we move through. Cause I still move through tough times, even with him in my life and he's the best. Right. So it's like, I totally agree with you. Sometimes it does feel like a full-time job, but what better job to have? And you know, why didn't they teach us this shit in in high school or even college, right? Like or elementary. This is school. useful. This is yeah. useful stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're having you're having negative emotion. What's going on? Or like, you know, I was in Catholic school for part of my elementary education. It's like if someone was acting out or angry or bad or crying, it was like go stand at the wall and face the wall. It was like, you're mm. shamed for your negative emotion. And now mm. today, I mean, my boyfriend's kids go to a Catholic school and it's like, if they're upset about something, it's like, how are you? Like what's going oh. on? Or so-and-so was sad today. And maybe you want to talk to her about this. Wanted to let you know, like, I think we're getting there slowly, but surely, but there's a lot more work to do there. That's great. I have so much hope for this next generation because it does feel too. like they are moving along. Um, no, and I, I, I love I love hearing about your journey. Um, 
I'm curious. So do you work specifically with people who like maybe just got their heart broken or anybody or yeah? Yeah. Anyone who comes to me who's struggling, it could be acute. Like it just happened yesterday. That usually isn't the case just because I think a lot of people are like, what just happened? I'm not even sure if it's real. Um, so, or, you know, someone who I just connected with last week, I did a round of bonus calls for my course students and, you know, she's been broken up with this guy for a couple of years, but she hasn't found anyone else. And she notices that her brain, she's like, I get that it's done, but I'm still kind of fantasizing and, you know, reminiscing and putting him on a pedestal and forgetting the reason why I left him, you know? So it really is a wide range. And as I always say, the time is neutral, you know, yes, time heals all wounds. I I agree with that to a certain degree, but you have to be doing the work. You have to be willing to create the closure and you can do that without the other person and commit your brain to the mindset work. And that's not going to happen overnight. And especially someone like her, if she's been thinking about him and kind of letting her mind run amok for two years, it's going to take time to practice. And what's underneath that is a true desire to kick that person to the curb. Not even because they're a bad person. It's just if I know I really want to find love and I haven't in the last few years, and I've been kind of like, letting my brain just sort of lazily go back to him, you know, how badly do I want actual true love? And then what conflicts into that, Olivia, is the belief that it's out there and available, which often makes my clients just go back to like the best that they had, which wasn't that great, but it's their only representation of what love looked like for them. So I know that wasn't even the question that you asked, but really people come to me from all different times or like, he just broke up with me a month ago. Usually they try therapy first. They didn't even know what heartbreak coaching was. And then they're like that, you know, and it's not that therapy doesn't work. Some of my clients work with therapists and coaches. Again, I love therapy, believe in it wholeheartedly. Um, But maybe they've been in therapy for a while and, you know, it's getting a little stale and they want to try something new and shake, shake it up and come to me. That's great. No, that's great. And I I love that you shared that too, because it's so funny, like in my last relationship that ended, you know, it was like a year ago now, um, he was still attached to his ex. And so like, we couldn't, like our relationship really couldn't go anywhere because he needed to be alone. He needed to work on himself, all these things. And I told him, you know, when we ended, I was like, if you're going to end this fine, do what you got to do, but do the fucking work. Like don't spend a year fucking around, you know, bounce into the next girl or like messing around and like not doing what you need to do, like do this work and fix yourself, you know, cause it was, it was going to hurt me more to see, to like, for me to get past the breakup and see that he's still like in his shit, you know, like that, well, that was is like so generous of you. Cause I've got to just insert at my last breakup at 2017 that drove me to specifically move into heartbreak coaching. I was like, you're making a mistake. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And truly it was the biggest gift he ever did because then when I gave me, but he had always broken up with every girl he had ever been with. And then he was telling me that, and I was clocking it again. I was doing this work. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, but I can see that he really wants it or whatever. And then, you know, ultimately I started to see the pattern, but then Mm -hmm. I had a pattern too, where I was like still holding on to someone that was not showing up at all at the level Mm -hmm. that I craved and deserved. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about like the patterns or, or things that you realized yeah. you needed to un- unlearn? Um, I just think it was always, I made my relationships always about them. 
you know, and their schedule and their time and what worked for them. And especially in that last relationship in 2017, I could just feel his uncertainty. Also, he had told me like three dates in that he didn't care that we were different religions. I don't, I'm not even practicing Catholic anymore, but you know, grew up with different religious backgrounds and not that he was even die hard in his religion, but like he still celebrated those traditions and, you know, they're important to him, but that he knew he didn't need to marry someone within his religion. And then we started to get even closer. I was like, okay, so green flags all along here, green lights all along here. And, um, he then told me, oh, by the way, I actually really know that I want to marry someone who's been raised in my religion. And I'm like, um, excuse me. I'm like, can we walk it back to date two or three? And then that, but then I stayed, I stayed. And he was like, listen, I'm really conflicted because I, and this is, these are the freaking traps that we fall for. I didn't ask if we could curse here and you just yeah. came off as come off as such a lady, <laughs> Olivia. So I'm just going to button up my app bombs, but it's fine. he, you know, these are the things that we fall for. Like I, you know, I'm really conflicted because I've never been more attracted to a partner before. And I've never felt this intellectual stimulation before and emotional stimulation before. He's like, I understand if you want to go, but I would really like for you to stay and see if we can work through this. Doesn't that sound so like mature and honest? Like he's being so mature and honest, mature and honest. You told me literally that that didn't matter. And then three weeks later, you're telling me it does. Mm -hmm. And then me, I'm walking on eggshells trying to appease and almost sell myself. And again, this is why the work never stops because I thought again, oh, I, how many people are listening to this podcast and I can raise my own hand where I enter into a new relation and I've been doing so much work on myself. Like now <laughs> this is the guy, of course I attracted I him, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, you can be, I always described him as um, emotionally intelligent, but not emotionally available. He was very intelligent, Ivy League grad, you know, I don't even think he was a bad guy. I don't think he was a narcissistic abuser like my, you know, 20, 29, 30, when I was that rock bottom relationship at 29 and 30 years old, you know, but just no awareness and no, no way to really follow through and take responsibility and thinking that the women were the problem and not him, you know? And again, I had my own work in that relationship because I kept fighting for it and selling myself and it was exhausting. And it actually just really spun me out into being more anxious, which ultimately had him call it off. And I was devastated and then kicking myself. Like I was so anxious and it was me and I pushed him away. But then with time and space and doing this work and looking at the truth of the situation, I was like, oh, he was so manipulative and really mind fucking me. And I was letting him and couldn't see it. And the thing is what also gets in the way, and I'm sure your audience will probably relate to this too, is, well, he's so much better than the guy before. So when he's so much better than the guy before, like, and then it slips into, well, this is probably the best I'm going to get. And at the time I was 35. So I was starting to have drama about my age and just, you know, but I did really care about him. It wasn't like, oh, I'll just settle for this guy. I like really wanted him and had very deep feelings for him. And now when I look at the relationship that I'm in, it's like we challenge each other and we have our challenging times, but it's something that we recently talked about that we love about our relationship is 
we can have our moments where our, we're our worst selves and we've exposed our worst selves, you know, flaws, yelling, getting mad, whatever. And it, it's not all the time, but that we always take responsibility for it afterwards. And I never feel like there's a crack in the mirror. Like now he loves me a little less. Whereas I felt like in other relationships, if they saw a weakness of mine or they saw me get upset or too worked up and that was like too much then I needed to like quell my drama. I'm also not saying go be a dramatic bitch in your relationship and like expect the other person to just like put up with it. But I think he and I really see how the other person takes responsibility when we're not being our best selves and we're always committed to working through it. And there are no grudges and no like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's like, yeah, because I signed up for the whole person. I right. And that. he signed up for all of me, but there's also a deep trust that we're doing our best. And sometimes our best is going to be, it's not going to be our best, right? We're going to be falling on our faces. Ugh, but the fact that you have somebody who's like willing to stick by you through it, you know, like that's, that's truly like, you know, what I'm looking for definitely is like somebody that I can be my full self, all of the good, bad, yeah. and the ugly, and like, they're still with me. Um, I want to kind of go back for a second, because there was something you said about, you know, when, when you go through the heartbreak, and you're kind of uh, unlearning and seeing and recognizing the patterns, and then you start to see in that other person where their faults are. For me, there's so, like, I get in this period of just intense anger at the like, injustice almost of like this person is not doing the work and they get to go out and like into the world and like um you know especially if like we have friends in common and like they still have this very positive like view of your ex or whatever like do you have tips for you know getting past that anger or just that that the it, I, injustice is really the only word that comes to my mind of just like oh you still get to do well, this like listeners that's not fair. can't see my face <laughs> <laughs> totally. The listeners can't see my face, but I'm like, yes, through the screen. <laughs> well, actually, if, if they're watching on Spotify, it is video podcast, so they can I see it. it. I love yeah. it. Um, oh, my gosh, that question. I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever asked me that question in an interview. And it's such a good question, Olivia. You know, what to deal with the injustice when you start coming to the realization and the ahas. And it seems like they're getting off like scot-free and have no responsibility and ha have taken no responsibility and they don't think that they've done anything wrong. So yeah. I'm going to make a very generalized statement. I'm curious. Do you identify as an empath? Someone who feels deeply? <laughs> too, yeah, feel I too much, tell. too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. Yes. Um. So... I always say, and for those of you who are listening, who are not familiar, an empath isn't someone who's just empathic, right? It's not just that they have empathy for others. They literally take, we literally take on the emotions of other people and yep. we can walk into a room and just immediately sense if we feel safe emotionally or unsafe, we get like immediate, weird, strange feelings. We just feel, and, and we feel very deeply, like someone might be you know, not as moved. Someone who doesn't identify as an empath won't be as moved watching some Hallmark card commercial. I'm dating myself. Are there even hard Hallmark card commercials anymore? I don't even know. I know what you Hallmark mean though, like crying at just like uh, the I'm littlest thing. Commercials. Yeah. yeah. And my boyfriend's like, okay, uh, take a breath, <laughs> take a breath. Right. So I always say being an empath is a blur thing. It's a blessing and it's a curse. 
because when we're madly and I feel like I made it up, but I'm sure someone else has made it up too. But TM I, I really that, use you know? my own. I, I TM it, right? The blursing <laughs> coach. And so it's a blessing because here I am three and a half years later with the love of my life. And I'm still like, like, I feel so deeply. I smother him with so much love. Like I just get to be on my unabashed self. And like constantly, even last night I was like, do you get bored with how much I tell you? I love you. Like I'm so over the top mushy with him and he just lets me. And I just like, feel it like the oxytocin and the dopamine is like still running high for me. I mean, trust me again, we have our moments, but you know, and it's like, ah, and I also think because I experienced all this pain and heartache with so many people in my past that my level of appreciation for what I have with him is next level. So I often Mm. tell my heartbreak, heartbroken clients that you're one of the lucky ones. If you've experienced heartbreak, because then your next level of appreciation for like when Larry like makes, he literally made me eggs and a little sandwich, like poached my eggs. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I just take it to the next level. He's like, you're welcome. I'll do this for you all the time. Like, so, so then, then to get to the curse part is that to your point, I mean, I'm the same. I'm also, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? It's this personality system. I won't go off on too many tangents, but I'm a number six. It's the loyalist slash skeptic. And I'm all about like the rules and fairness and justice. And, and I'm someone, I guess my Irish Catholic guilt, if I make a mistake, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, (laughs) I just want to like overcompensate and But also if you do wrong by me, like fiery Irish woman will be like, how effing dare you? Right. Like Mm. I really stand up for myself. Um, despite the fact that I tolerate a lot of BS and in crappy relationships, but I think for empaths, it's much harder to heal. And yes, that idea of the injustice and how dare he, but here's the deal. Cause I used to feel this way when I thought of my rock bottom ex who did so many disgusting things and whittled me down to being a shell of a person. And he did it to another woman. Who's now my friend. He was dating both of us at the same time, gave us both STDs, like denied vehemently that he had a relationship with us. And like, we figured it out and like pieced all the piece, put all the pieces together. And he's someone who has an Emmy award and is just doing dandy in the Hollywood scene. And, you know, no one here would know who he is. Like, I just also, want to say he's not some like major whatever, but he do ha- does have an Emmy award and he's doing quite well for himself and talk about like, I could go down that road of like the injustice and there he is with a freaking Emmy award and it's not fair. And I, I, I use that and share that as an example of just like, I get it. I get that that's really unfair. And that like, I have a, I have a podcast episode called when mean guys win <laughs> because they do, or they can, they can, you know, find someone new and it looks like they're super happy on Instagram, which, you know, I'm never sold by when my clients think that they've like, uh, you know, all of a sudden run off into the sunset with someone else. I'd be like, I'm, I'd love to see what's going on behind closed doors, but here's the deal. Look, you can't change being an empath and feeling so deeply and being so hurt and then being so mad about the injustice and then wanting to control it and wanting to tell everybody else how much he sucks so that like he can suffer in some way and like you can seek revenge in some way. Like that's 
it would be nice to fantasize about, but like, that's not really a reality. And do you really want to be that person that's like running around being like, just so you know, he did this to like break up friendships. Like for me, I'm just not associated with anyone connected to him. Cause he's like that bad of a guy. We also have to keep in mind that like good people can be shitty partners. So it sucks that he was a shitty partner to you, but he's still capable of being a good friend. I know that about my rock bottom ex. He's a really good friend to certain people. And then he destroys women. Like that's what he does. And it's not just me and this other woman. I've had other women come out to me and who know who I am and know who he is and say, Hey, I know who you're talking about. And me too. Like I know of multiple women that he's done this to. And you know, my wonderful dad, who I have such a close relationship with, again, Irish, he said this to me, and this is going to be the long-winded advice about what to do with the injustice. And you're going to be like, no, but stay on the edge of your seat. When I was living in Brooklyn, where you live, and I was devastated, and I knew all the things, like all the truths were unraveling, Olivia. And I just was struggling on a level that I never have, which is why I now do what I do. And my dad called me and he was up in Westchester County. And I usually saw them on the weekends. Cause I just like, couldn't function. And I thought that, Oh, this is weird that he's calling. Cause I would usually just see them on the weekends. And I'm like, why are you calling? Is everything okay? And he's like, I'm calling. Cause I want to make sure you're okay. And I just burst out crying. And I was like, he did all these things and it's all coming out. And my dad said, listen, he's Irish. He's like, you know what I would do if I were you? And I was like, what? And he said, I'd go to church and I'd light him a candle because people like him who behave in the way that they do, they're hurting so much more than what you are. And, you know, if he wants to hop into bed with some warm body to just not have to deal with himself and his demons, that's more unfortunate from you. He said, I, as your dad, I hate to see you suffering, but I'm glad to see that you're dealing with it and processing the emotions because people that behave like that are way more miserable. And I didn't really see that at the time. I was like, no, I want him to stop because <laughs> I was too in it, but I was like, that just sucks to be you because only miserable people would go to the lengths to do what you did to myself and these other women. And I also believe here's something that will probably make you feel better. <laughs> if this is someone right now being like justice, I do believe in some way, shape or form that karma will come back to bite them in some way that I may or may not know about but I am too busy living my best life and going out to find my best relationship than to spend time worrying about him paying for what he did. It's just not worth it. My best life is the, you've, we've all heard this expression, right? Like living your best life is the best revenge you could ever get on that person. And you know what? I'm doing pretty well in my business. And he has to live with the fact that there is a woman out there who has a decent business happening for her that was inspired by his antics and his wife has to, has to deal with that too. You know, like I, I, I have no envy for what he has, the accolades, the, the wife, the kids. I, I am like, I feel bad for her because even if, and then this is the kicker for people who are like, I know this is such a long answer. Sorry, Olivia. No, it's okay. It's all but I'm driving it home. Even if, because this is women's biggest fear, and I'm speaking for women because that's who I serve, doesn't matter your sexual orientation, race, religion. Let's say all of a sudden he's like, 
reformed and giving her everything you wanted him to give you, which I literally do not think is possible unless you have actually done some true deep inner work. And if he's a narcissistic sociopath, they don't do the work because they don't think that there's anything wrong with them. Let's say all of a sudden he's giving her the things, which I think is highly, highly unlikely. She has to live and sleep in bed with someone who has behaved this way towards women in his past as a full grown adult. This isn't like I cheated on my girlfriend in high school or in college. This is, I was a full grown adult in my forties and did this to women. Like Mm. I'm not in like when I met my boyfriend and he told me that he wasn't officially divorced and he has four kids. I'm like, tell me your story. I would like to know more, obviously. If he was just like, yeah, well, I started like banging my secretary and I just wasn't into it anymore. I would have been like, bye. Yeah. Right. Like, and you know, that's his private business. I'm not going to share what it was, but that like, if I knew he was someone who was a player like that in his past and who's going to admit that they were a player, but you know, you just get a sixth sense. I knew my narcissistic sociopath was trouble before I dated him and I went ahead anyway. Mm. So it's just, obviously it's layered, but you know, at the end of the day, you get to be the person who heals and learns and grows as cliche and boring as that sounds. And you will be, I'm, I know I am thriving. I always say, I actually don't forgive him, but I am thankful for that experience. Cause I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing now. And I would not have the partner that I have now, if it hadn't been for that experience. And so oh. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on. Uh, No, I love that. And, you know, so I practice uh, Buddhism and we very much are like about the aspect of karma, about, you know, you you put in this and then that happens. Right. So and we're very much aligned with what your, your father told you about, like the person who is harming you or, you know, causing you this negative um, you know, impact, they are really struggling. They are in the world of like Buddha hell and just like really suffering right now. And our best recourse for ourselves, you know, and for them is to pray for them or really just like, like you said, like find gratitude in what you were able to receive from the relationship. Um, because, ultimately like we're going to have to continue on and like it's it's just going to be our lives that matter at the end of the day and so we need to like let go of whatever because it it kind of becomes a poison right like the anger that we just like let Absolutely. stew inside of us it can cause us more damage if we hold on to it so letting it go moving forward and do the work everybody do the damn work so you don't become some 40 year old who's like still doing this stuff you know like don't become that guy but we sure. become envious that they're not feeling the pain right? Yeah. The, the, the curse part of being an empath, it's not fair that he just seems to be walking around, but like what's happening is he is numb. He's not mm, feeling not anything. And right. so if he's numb and not feeling anything, he also doesn't have the driving force to go do the work because it's just like, that's how he operates at his base level. And again, we're really generalizing and I'm aware of the heteronormative pronouns that totally. we're using, but yeah. you know, And I used to really be like, no, I would much prefer to walk in his shoes because this pain is so unbearable. But to Mm. your point, when you lean in and you consistently do the work and when I talk about mindset work, it's not, oh, I just do and plug into this little thought model. And now I'm going to choose this thought and live happily ever after. It's a process, right? The the brain, when we're heartbroken, it's going to like revert back to, I want him back. I want him back. I want him back. And then just like the work is like coaxing your mind. How is it true that 
I don't want him back. Oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, that. Oh, oh wait, I'm reverting back to wanting him again. Okay, where am I storing that in my body? I mean, again, another full-time job. Right? <laughs> but it's moment <sighs> to moment. And I think that there's these this pressure to like get it all done and not, you know, well, it's almost like a competition with him too of like, yes. how come- you know, he's like off doing X, Y, Z. And, and we see on social media, even though my first step to stopping wanting Mr. or Miss wrong back is to cut contact and not stalk on social media. Cause your brain is just going to, again, selectively only remember the good and look yeah. for all the ways to despair. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, this work isn't easy, but it is so worth it on the other side. For sure. And, and what other choice do we have? Yeah. You know, like, do you want to just sit in your misery and just be like, I'm just an empath and I'm going to be miserable. And then that can lead you into severe depression. Mm -hmm. If you're just walking around with these heavy emotions. And I mean, that's what happened with me. I was heartbroken and I never knew how to manage my emotions in this way. So I was just devastated. I was also like that person that couldn't talk about anything else. So I was like pushing people away because I was Mm -hmm. so consumed by it. Oh my God, it's embarrassing, Olivia, but I'll save you those stories. No, Claire, like this, <laughs> I want to con- keep talking to you. I think, I feel like I need to have you back for like a part two or something because there's I'd like love it. so much more I want to talk about. Really quick before I um, have uh, wrap everything up, um, one quick tip, if anything, for folks to be, um, to like, I don't know, be a better dater or just have better dates in general um, after a heartbreak or, yeah. Oh, that's so hard. One tip to be a better dater. I think I'm just going to, where my brain goes to, because I, I, as you can tell, my answers are so long and I have so much to say. I think the first thing that comes to mind is I'm assuming if you're dating and you're really wanting your person, you're open to being on the dating apps and people have a lot of drama and resistance to the dating apps. You slide into my DMs all the time to tell me about how terrible they are. And listen, I agree. I think that there's so many annoying things about dating apps and they're the greatest gift to us today in 2023. You literally have free options to swipe and there are actually high quality people on there. And how do you know? Because you're high quality and you are on there. And something that I teach my clients is intentional swiping you know, don't go on dates just because you haven't been on a date in a month and eh, he seems okay. So whatever, swipe right. And we match. So why not be intentional? Who is this person? Do you like their pictures? Can't tell, but there's something intriguing about them that you'd be willing to go on the date and then not go down the slippery slope of, I waste my, wasted my time. He's not what he looks like. Right. Like table, the drama being like, I say this in a tough love way. Many people describe me as a tough love coach, pull up your big girl pants and be the mature grown up who you want to attract and just be really deliberate in quality, not quantity. If people drop off for like five days and they don't come back and they're like, Oh, Hey, do you still want to go on a date? No, like they're not as interested or as urgently interested as you are and just be, be discerning quality over quantity. Love that. I think that's a good rule. Whether you're on the apps or just like out there, just dating in general, like, yeah, intentional, mindful, aware of yourself and your patterns and all of all, all the work that you've been doing, right? Like be, ingest that and be that and just, yes. yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, Claire, this has been <laughs> incredible. The time has flown. Thank flown you so much. By. Um, really quickly, can you let people know where they can find you, how they can keep in touch? 
Absolutely. Thank you. ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com for information on how to work with me one-on-one or in my group, uh, C-L-A-I-R-E. And you can follow me on Instagram at ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach. And I have a podcast called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. You can find it on all the major platforms. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Claire. I definitely look forward to having you back soon down the line. I would love that, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all so much for joining me today on another episode of Healing Through Love. As always, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to reach out on social media at solidarity underscore media. If you head to the show notes of today's episode, you'll find links and more information about today's guest. Thank you all so much for your continued support and look forward to updating you soon. Bye.